What the hell is the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. Right. He tried to get me in mid-shoe. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. I am Barry Horn. And joining us by remote from Surprise. He's the ballsiest guy of all. I'm the baldiest guy of all. Hello, it's Baldi. Evan Grant. What's going on, guys? Evan, you know, we're just back here in the studio slaving away, keeping this whole enterprise afloat. Meanwhile, you're out gallivanting around in Arizona, having a good time with the boys. What's, uh, oh, what's yeah. going on out there? I, I can't tell you the number of delicious chain restaurants that I have just been <laughs> blowing the expense account on. You know, there's only... There's only so many times you can eat payway in a week. Yeah, I know. Oh. What, what's the new deli out there now? Is it is it any good? Is it the same uh, deli? Old deli? Archie's? Archie's is still there. Archie's I went to Archie's the other day and it's um it's still good, um, at least relatively speaking. Um, but it's just the new location of Archie's is just kinda it's just kinda it's a weird vibe in there. It's a weird it's, it, you it feel like you're in a Mexican restaurant. It doesn't feel like I'm in a. It doesn't feel like I'm in a deli in there. Let's are, just put it are, that way. Are Betty and Veronica there with Jughead? <laughs> You're really oh, showing God. your age now. Oh my wow. God! Wow. All right, let's Stop get let, let's let's talk baseball. Why don't you make an Edith joke? Or <laughs> yeah, there we go, joke. meathead joke. I like it. Hey, let's talk about. Let's go the opposite end of the spectrum now. We're going to talk about these young Turks out there at uh, at spring training. Nomar Mazzara, not Turkish. Go ahead. Not not Turkish. Uh, we, we've Profar. got uh, Jerks and Profar and Joey Gallo. Which uh, arrows pointing up or down on these guys right now? Uh, I would say that the arrows are pointing very much up on Mazzara and Profar. I would say that at this point in time, the arrow on Gallo is is pointing sideways because I think he's still still working to iron out some things in his swing, and I think that may be a spring long and into the season kind of kind of project. But I. I let me just address this on Joey and we'll get to the other two is, you know, you look at Joey's track record and he has traditionally been a guy who's gone to a minor league system, a level on the minor league and initially struggled and has come back the next year and really been able to address what he needed to address. He, he spent time again this winter with Jason Giambi, uh, had a lot of long talks and, and Giambi is a, a guy who really reinforces with him the idea of being self-sufficient at the plate, having an approach and a base and not tweaking it too much. And and I think last year what we saw kind of towards the end of his time with the Rangers and then what I heard once he got back to the minor leagues was he was just so flummoxed and so frustrated by by the strikeouts and what pitchers were doing with him that he was, he was tweaking things per at bat and per game and just tinkering way, way too much for, for a guy that has – uh, the the talent that he has and has as, as as big a swing as he has and and so I think the focus for him this spring is to just okay let's find an approach let's stay with it let's not worry so much about results right now um, we want you to get comfortable with something you trust all right now let, let's let's talk about uh, Joey just a little bit more uh, because as I look at him uh, listen he's not going to be a guy who's going to hit three hundred. And and uh, hit forty five home runs and drive one hundred twenty runs. He's not going to be uh, Josh Hamilton. That's that's not who he is. He, in my mind, he's more of an Adam Dunn Chris type David. figure, 
a guy who's going to who's going to probably hit 250 or 260, he's going to strike out 180, 200 times. Dave Kingman. But he's going to hit but he's going to hit, you know, he's going to hit 35, 40 home runs, and that's what you want him to do. I think that, that the, the Rangers should look at this. We've got enough talent around him, or we should have enough talent around him eventually, a Nomar Mazzara, a Lewis Brinson, a Ruggio Dor, you know, guys like that that are going to be able to make contact, drive the ball, you know, uh, get on base. He's here for this one precious thing he provides, which is power. Look, he, he has he – has, I think he's got two tools. I think he's got – uh, offensively, I think he's got two tools. I think he actually has some idea at the plate in terms of strike zone. I think he got out of whack a little bit that last year. But, yeah, he, he should be a, a higher on-base guy and an off-the-charts power guy. He's got a tool that, you know, however you want to grade on whatever scale, whatever scout system you want to use, whether you want to call it an 80, which is top of the line, or a plus-plus, or whatever you want to call it, his home, his power tool is is as good as they come. Um, he's just got to learn a little bit more discipline and a little bit more uh, willingness to say, okay, when I don't have success, I'm going to ride this out because I know what works for me. All right, so let's now move on to no let's more think positive thoughts. Mazzara and, and Jerkson Profire, and I want before you talk, I, I want to bring the, up something that that people have been uh, telling me, people who email, whatever, tweet, whatever. And they're all saying that if Nomar Mazar is playing so well, you know, because I think what they're seeing is the Astros, and then they see, uh, you know, Correa come up and play so well. They see all these young guys come up and play and play well, and I think they're forgetting that that first year actually when they really struggled. And they're saying if he's playing well now, why not just ride that? Why not just go with him? And besides the fact that they just signed Ian Desmond for eight million dollars, so they're not going to do that. Uh, tell us why Nomar Mazara, as well as he's playing, should go back and play AAA. Well, first of all, anybody making any evaluations on Nomar Mazzara after three or four spring exhibitions in which a number of his at-bats have been against fellow minor leaguers who were in their first big league camp, it's just the you know the height of knee-jerk. Um, that's, the, that's the world we live in now, Evan. A knee, it's yes, a knee-jerk world. It, yes, it is. But I think they sing I, that on that Disney ride now. It's a knee-jerk world. Is that, is that what it Evan, is? Evan, continue. <laughs> That just brought the show to a screeching halt. Screeching halt. I like um, it though. You know, I'm gonna start singing more. I think. I, I, he has got he's got great skills. He's had a great camp to this point. He's done everything the Rangers want, and I think what he has done is at least early on give the Rangers the impression that yes, he could be a guy who could be pressing for playing time sometime in 2016. But what they don't want to do is they don't want to get to a situation where they they kind of go over their skis like they did a little bit with Gallo uh, last June and say, okay, we have to bring him up because we, we have a need. If they bring Nomar Mazzara up to the big leagues, it's going to be because he has forced his way to the big leagues. The signing of Ian Desmond allows the Rangers to also look at if they come up with an injury somewhere around the diamond, they can look at the minor leagues, pick the guy who is doing the best offensively and who seems to be the best suited for the major leagues, and call him up. If that means that it's Mazzara and Desmond would go to another position, uh, then that be that that would be the case. But in short, what the Rangers have done is put themselves in a position where they can pick and choose 
how they want to use their minor league talent instead of being having to force a guy to the big leagues when they have a need. And I, I, I think that what you want to do at this point in time is get Mazzara triple-A at bats, get him uh, can continue to have him grow. There's still, look, there's still plenty of stuff that can grow in his game. Um, but the first two weeks of, of, of training camp have gone well. They've left really nice impressions on everybody. And uh, that's all, you know, when, when you look for young kids to come in, in in their first big league camp or, or when they come to camp for, for, for one of their young seasons, you just look for guys to, to show that they are they are capable. It, There's it not a job for him to win here. There simply isn't a job to win. <laughs> you know, look, Barry, Barry and I are doing an uh, after you, my dear Alphonse, a routine up here. Uh, listen, all right, I think that's good about uh, Mazzara. Now we're, we're going right through these. Let's go right on to Jerks and Profar. Which is why, which was the transition I was going to make. And, and what I was going to say was – you don't think of Profar as a young guy, but he's but he is right. He's twenty three. He's twenty three. Yeah, he's twenty three, and he's hurt. he's still an up and comer, right? But, but hold on, before Evan gets off on his spiel here, I want to make sure that uh, I, I get this point here. I want to ask specifically about Jerks and Profar. Your opinion, uh, because I think we all think that Jerks and Profar, hurt uh, or not, uh, is a better offensive threat at shortstop than Elvis Andrews is, and that's not saying a lot. I and mean, there are there are a lot of people who would be a, a bigger offensive threat overall that than Elvis would be what I want to ask you is do you think that El, uh, that uh, Jerickson's defense is as good or better than Elvis's well I, we haven't seen a whole lot but we have seen more than I would have expected for you know four days worth of games that he's played and he's looked very good at shortstop he, he made a diving play up the middle in the intra-squad game he made a, a charging play and, and throw kind of from an underhanded angle in one of the exhibitions. Um, I, I think he's playing right now without any concerns about the shoulder, and that's the biggest thing. You never, if, if that shoulder is going to hold up, you never know. Um, but I think the, the most important thing is that he plays without any any concern as to whether or not it's going to hold up, and, and, and he's doing that. What he was, I, I do. When he was coming up I, in the minor leagues, did you feel uh, – we, we always just talk about his offense, you know, and the, and the power that he has for the position. You know, he's, uh, he, I think he projects as, as a guy who could hit 15 to 20 home runs, which is really good for a shortstop. Uh, but w- the book on him in the minor leagues as, 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 a, defensive, as, as a defensive shortstop, what, what was it? I think that when he came up, the more you talk to scouts, the more that – the, the consensus that I heard was, look, this is a guy who does everything pretty well. There was nothing that he did that was absolutely off the charts, but he did everything pretty well. Um, maybe slightly above average in, in, in several areas and no worse than average in, in others. And he's athletic. I think Elvis probably still has more range than him. Um, just because of the number of throws that I've seen, I think Elvis still has, has more, more arm strength than him. But I think that you could, that you will possibly be able to make a case at some point in time this year that Elvis Andrus might be the third best shortstop in um, in this organization. Because so uh, certainly he, Ian Desmond, Ian Desmond is can still play shortstop. Profar, you know, could could potentially establish himself as a as a real legitimate everyday possible possibility. And if Elvis doesn't 
doesn't take a step forward, then, you know, you're going to have some, some, some questions that you're going to have to answer after this year. Evan, uh, I understand you talked to Tony Beasley about uh, Profar and some of the other infielders and some of the other situations. Why don't we, why don't we go to the uh, tape of your scintillating 60 Minutes-like interview with Tony Beasley? I am joined by Rangers third base coach Tony Beasley. Uh, Tony, it is really good to see you here and see you looking very positive. We all know that you've been dealt a, a tough situation this offseason with the cancer diagnosis, but um, it's important for you to be in surprise right now, isn't it? Yes, uh, you know it. It really is. Um, uh, just from the standpoint of, of, of being keeping myself occupied and and keeping my mind uh, you know, off of uh, the situation and, and and focusing on other things. It uh, just helps time pass and and uh, just being around. You know, this is my extended family, and everybody's been great as well. Um, and so it, I think it was the right decision to come out here. For me, uh, my wife was on board with it, so so far I'm, I'm happy that I'm here. You, um, you've gone through one treatment already, mm-hmm. and, and you, have, you haven't felt, I don't want to say you felt any um, adverse reactions, but, but how are you feeling at this point in time? Yeah, I feel pretty good. You know, I haven't had um, any ill effects from the, uh, from the chemo the first round anyhow. Um, you know, I wasn't sensitive to the cold touch, as you said I would be. Uh, you know, I haven't been sick. Uh, my energy's been pretty good. You know, I've had a maybe a day or so where I felt a little weird and you know strange, like something's in my body, which something is in my body. Uh, but um, other than that, I've I've been able to to function and and have good energy and have a good appetite and uh, and uh, just get through the day. I mean, I, I have to be smart and manage uh, manage what I do and manage my time in the sun and. Things of that nature. So that's that's the toughest part for me is is knowing when it's when it's time to sit down, sit down. So let, let's talk about baseball, which is something I think you would actually like to talk about. Yes. The the, the activity of spring training right now. What are you involved in, and, and, and how has it changed for you this spring? Well, I'm not missing any infield stuff. That's for sure. Uh, I'm not going to miss any. I'm going to be on top of all the infield drills. Uh, going to make sure that I'm there when we when we do our infield session and keep my eyes on um, you know Elvis Odor, Beltre, you know Mitch and Prince and, and everyone everyone else. Well, I like to watch. He's fun to watch. <laughs> but but just I, I you know I want to be present. Um, I haven't hit many fungos. I hit some yesterday for the first time. Uh, hit to Elvis and, uh, and Odor. Uh, uh, but you know I. I I think it's important that I'm there and and to see the little things that can allow them to get off track, to not allow little habits to creep in. And um, I think that's the most important thing right now for me is to stay on the defensive side of the ball, um, watching the game, making sure that they show up for every pitch and that they're, they're set up and pre-pitch is correct, making sure the cutoffs and relays are, are in order. Um, and if I see something base running wise, then you know I'd speak to those guys as well. And and also, if, if Spike has a question about anything, you know I'm, I'm there for him to to bounce stuff off of me. So you know I feel like you know I can still be an asset. Does it, are you? And I don't know if this is, if it's too early to ask this or not. But do you feel like you're looking at it from a different Whoa. view because you're not as as involved in the actual practice of hitting the fungos or, or running the drill, you're, you're actually doing it more almost from a quality control aspect. Yeah, um, 
it's a little different. Does it give you a different point of view and something that you feel like you might be able to pick something up a little bit different? I think I'm a little more attentive because I'm not hitting them and I'm, I'm basically just eyes. Uh, and today I sat in the golf court cart and, and watched uh, just just get out of the sun and um, you know, I, I just see all the little things and I can get Hanser's attention, uh, Elvis's attention, and Odor's attention, and, and just do a little hand notion, and they know exactly what we're talking about, and they make the adjustment. Uh, and they, they know I'm watching, and they want me to watch, because Odor, when he's finished, he's, you watch me, uh, yeah, I saw you, and everything was good. Uh, so, you know, it's important. Um, I mean, I love these guys, and, uh, you know, I want to be a part of the development process and make sure they they get, you know, max, maximize their abilities. I, I've I want every one of our infielders this year to be considered in the Gold Glove conversation. Um, and that's where we're setting the bar, and that's the challenge that I've put forth to those guys. Um, and so, every time we take ground balls, the focus is catch every ball and make sure that we take care of the baseball, keep it off the ground, and let's execute, let's catch it, let's throw it accurately, um, let's keep you know things in order on the field when, when there's uh, a ball in the gap or what have you. Let's throw to the right basis. Uh, let's communicate. At the same time, let's have fun. There are two words I threw to those guys yesterday. was fun and focus. Fun and focus. You, you have to have both of those. Uh, and I think that, you know, for Elvis, uh, that's important. He likes to enjoy the game, but focus, he has to do that as well. Is he more focused? I think he is. Um, you know, I know that he had a you know, probably a pretty tough offseason uh, based upon how the season ended. Um, but I do know in the minicamp his work was a little more uh, focused. Uh, he was more detailed on what he was doing, uh, things that we spoke of last year. He's making adjustments, and he's, he's even like getting my attention to say, hey, check this out and to make sure he's doing it correctly. Um, so I'm proud of him. I'm proud of where he's at right now uh, defensively. Uh, the other day in the game, he, he didn't get a ground ball, but he showed up for every single pitch. He was engaged. His pre-pitch was correct. He was ready. Uh, he was reacting to the balls off the bat. And those are the type of things that I'm looking for uh, out of him because uh, he, he can be dynamic at shortstop. One is obviously the conversation you guys had last year. You know, we wrote about that during the season, and I don't know that it's in printed words. It's as easy to convey as passionate to convey as the actual conversation. But you told Elvis straightforward last year, you not a very good choice. How did that whole conversation? Well, you know, first of all, the, the timing had to be right for the conversation to even take place. And, uh, <clears throat> and I, I felt like the timing was right. We had put in enough time together. Uh, the relationship was solid. Um, and so just, just over time, seeing certain things and seeing the, the mental laps and seeing the approach to certain balls that were taking the low low percentage approach. And, and there's a lot of, lot, of, lot, of, lot of balls that are hit. There are two ways. There are a high percentage play and a low percentage play. And, and he was taking the low percentage play a lot. And so emphasizing, though, play the higher percentage play. And so we sit down and watch some video. Pointing out certain things, asking him questions, or you know, what did you see right there? And, and he would 
respond correctly. And so then I asked him who's his favorite players. Pascal and Jeter were his two guys. And, uh, and um, so basically just looked at a few things and, and I just looked at him and said, listen, this is not very good. And said, you're not very good right now. And I said, you're better than this. And I said, this is how you want to be perceived in the baseball world? And he said, absolutely not. I said, we have to do something about it. And I said, I'm not going to tell you something is wrong and not have a solution. And so we talked about how we can fix the problem. Right. And that was, a, that was basically a setup problem. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was just kind of setting up closed? Yeah, it was a setup problem. But it was, it was the approach to certain ground balls as well. Like, not like playing some balls on the run where he could have set his feet and threw a strike. Uh, you got a slow runner getting up the line and just rushing it and throwing it away, pulling, the, pulling Mitch off the bag and like he pulled Prince off the bag. When picking up just careless mistakes, you know, just flipping your glove, and how we carry our hands, and, you know, not, not having a good fielding foundation with his, with his feet, not being wide, um, just, just things of that nature that we had talked about. But he kind of get in the flow of the game and, and, and took some things for granted. All right, so what did you see in his face when you tell me that? It's not that other guys have not said words along those lines. Mm -hmm. And I think even at some point in time earlier in the season, you guys may have said, you're not a great shortstop right now. But I've always thought that this guy hears well, even if he doesn't necessarily always apply it immediately. What was his reaction? Well, you know, I felt like there was a slight pause when I said it. Um, but at the same time, I went right into, this is what we're going to do to fix it. And he accepted it right away. You know, he, he, didn't, he didn't balk at it. He didn't say, screw you, I'm not a good shortstop. Uh, he didn't. He, he kind of wore it and he took it. And uh, man, was accountable. He owned it. But there was a plan to move beyond that. You know, if I just said that and walked away, then yeah, shame on me. Uh, but I think because it was thought out, uh, there was a plan behind it, and I, I need you on board with this because this is what we need to do to overcome it because I want you to be what you want to be, and I want you to be perceived the way you want to be perceived. Uh, and, I, and I keep reiterating to him that in my mind there's no reason why he shouldn't win a gold glove. There's no reason. He makes every single play that you can make as a shortstop. He has every one of them in his bag. Uh, but the consistency, the lack of focus, uh, just the game where I take a pitch off, where I, I take my at-bat to defense for one inning and the ball finds me that inning, things like that. And then early in the season, every mistake he made, they ended up scoring somehow. You know, we, we didn't pitch over it. And so things magnified with him. And uh, so he was, I think the game has a way of humbling you, and, and he was humbled. Uh, but he didn't, no one wants to be embarrassed. And I think he has enough, you know, pride about himself and, and, and thoughts that he wants to be one of the best in the game that you know, he wasn't going to allow himself to just fall. And uh, so I give him credit for accepting what I had to say and being willing to work to, to get to overcome it. And, and I felt like he did. You know, obviously, you know, the last game of the season was, was tough. Uh, but I think there was a stretch in between there where he was pretty, pretty good. How much did you think during the offseason about how will that game five affect Elvis? What, what were your thoughts about it going forward? Well, I've, I've thought about it, you know, numerous times about how this affects him going forward. Um, you know, even though I told him uh, after that, I said, you know, I know right now this seems like the worst day of your life, but 
we're going to make this the best thing that ever happened to your career because this is never going to happen again. And, uh, and so that's what I believe. Um, but yes, um, that first ground ball is hit to him. You know, if he catches it clean, if he doesn't, you know, he's got to guard against the, oh God, here we go. Uh, he's got to guard against the fan base. Uh, you know, he's got to guard against anything he may read. Uh, and, but I think he's, I think what's good is he's dealt with the issue. Uh, he didn't run from it. No, he, he stood in his locker shit. after the game, and you know I asked him after the game. I said, "Have you been crying?" Because his eyes. Were oh, he was. Yeah, he did. He said no, but I think everybody acknowledged. Yeah, that he he cried. But there were some tears. Yeah, he definitely cried, and uh, he. But I think his tears are more so. Not they weren't selfish. I think he felt like he let his team down, uh, and he felt the weight of the whole Texas Rangers organization on his shoulders. And that's painful when, when it's in that scenario. And I think he felt that, and I don't think he'll ever forget that, even though he's dealt with it. Uh, but I think because he took ownership of it, he can move forward. All right, the, the other part of the middle infield is a guy, who came so far after a really rough start. And I think, in general, there are a lot of people inside the organization, experts, fans, who believe he is primed for a superstar season. Mm -hmm. Defensively, he came a long way, too. You know what happened on the offensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. Defensively, he's come a long way. What did he improve? What still must get better for him to be the premier second baseman? I'm not talking defensively, just mm -hmm. premier overall right? Uh, uh, in terms of, of, short, of second baseball. You know, he made tremendous strides last year. Uh, you know, early in the season, he had a lot of things going on with his glove and his transition. He was hooking the ball out of his glove. His throws weren't accurate. Uh, and so we had to clean up the transition thing. And we get him to carry his hands and not flip his glove. Um, he charges the ball too much and not break down and create his hop. And so these are the things that we're kind of working on. Uh, we started towards the end of the season. Uh, we gave him some stuff this off season. Uh, to focus on, and in mini camp we hit it, uh, and then also, you know, out here in spring training we've been on it every day, and I think that he's been much better uh, with how he's approaching the backhand ball, uh, which was a running play for him last year. And some of these plays now, he needs to read the different types of backhand. There's a routine backhand, there's a extended backhand, and there's a rake play, and he needs to understand all three, which I think he has. Now he knows how to implement each one of those when is when each play applies. Um, his footwork has gotten better. Um, his fielding foundation has gotten better. He's much better at getting the ball to his left side, creating his hop with his feet. And that's one thing you and I have talked about a little bit this spring is the idea of creating his hop. Mm -hmm. Last year he charged the ball yep. uh, as recklessly as he played, which in mm -hmm. a lot of ways was good, yes. but not necessarily when you're trying to, to get a ball in between hops. Exactly. He can better judge those hops mm -hmm. and doesn't have to go 100 percent exactly right? exactly and that's what that's that's the thing play play at a nice pace uh don't play like you know it's 100 miles per hour and every ball is not a running play it's not a body control play it's you can break it down get your hops set your feet and make a nice throw uh, i think he's made some strides this spring uh, Obviously, I'm never going to say they're finished, a finished product because we always have things we can, can improve upon. Uh, but that, the double play, uh, his footwork around the bag, even though he's very good turning the double play, 
but there are times where I feel like he puts himself in harm's way because he creeps up the line into the runner. Uh, so we've been working on that. He's done a good job making that adjustment. Um, he's, he, you know what? He, he's hungry. Uh, he's attentive, and that's that's the part of my job that I enjoy. Like when you when you get the opportunity to to work with guys that are willing to get better, uh, guys that want information, they want to make adjustments, they want to ask questions, uh, and they challenge me to be good at it. You know, sometimes they explain that to me. You know, and I love that because you know that lets me know that they absolutely care. Is he a different guy than he was when you were your first spring with him last year? I think he's got a little more swag about him this year, even though he, he wasn't lacking a lot of swag last year. But I think this year he's a little more comfortable. Um, I think he feels like he's he's uh, grown in a lot of areas. And, um, you know, last year I think he just was a young kid that, you know, felt like he had a chance to, to do something great and, and Didn't know how probably to took some things for granted early. And, you know, and that's why he ended up getting sent down. But I, I think... Um, now he's more focused on the process. One thing, I think one thing that gets overlooked on the other side of the ball is this team, if you look at most studies, and I'm, I'm talking about more the Bill James study than anything else, this team was considered uh, the best at advancing bases last mm -hmm. year. Now, a lot of credit goes to the players, obviously, mm -hmm. but a lot of that is also philosophy. Mm -hmm. um, I think this team took more bases. I think according to Baseball Information Solutions, it was 142 bases last year mm -hmm. on dirt balls and extra bases going first to third. <laughs> All that said, are you at this point in time resigned to the idea that at some point you'll have to kind of step away and let Spike Owen step in for you for a little while on that aspect of it? As far as, you know, I, 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 I don't see me starting the season uh, coaching third. Yeah, um, you know, I've got to take care of my health first. Um, I'm not sure there's no specific timetable on, on me right now. Um, so, you know, Spike is, is going to handle it until until I'm ready to come back. Um, is that June, July? I'm not sure. Uh, but I anticipate fully coming back uh, this year and, and being able to, to do what I love doing. Um, but I'm thankful that, that we have someone that's capable and because I think the team deserves that. Um, I know Spike will do a good job, and anything I can do to help him with information, I'm going to be there. What do you, I, you know, he's coached third base at the primary level, and that's an yeah. experience, and he's had major league playing experience. But given the amount of data that you guys ingest and, and have to process for players, how much, uh, how much of a cram session is it for, for you to try and get you up to speed on the job is Well, you know what, I think um, as far as talking to him about the speed of the game, um, he will have to kind of see that and adjust to that himself. Um, one thing he does well is he positions himself well. He gets up the line, and, and that's that's key. That's that's one thing that's paramount, coach at third, is you can buy enough time to kind of watch the play evolve and, and see what's going on with the base runner and, and, and what's happening with the fielders. And then you can give yourself a chance to make a better decision. And I think the, the, the most critical aspect of it as, that I've given him so far, and he, he's not going to deal with this really until the season starts, is he's not hearing the fan base as much uh, and our fan base is great and, and I was very fortunate last year we didn't have a lot of 
things happen at home plate that went against us. Uh, but, you know, from my years of experience, you can easily get caught up into, you know, getting booed while you didn't send a guy or getting booed for sending a guy and he gets thrown out. Uh, you know, there's there's a guy in the fifth or sixth inning that's had a few to drink and, and he singles you out and he's relentless all game. If you allow those things to get to you, they can clam you up and they can really make you get safe over there and not take any chances and, and not trust what you're seeing. Um, it's It can be very difficult from that aspect. And I think if you free your mind and just trust the information, trust what you saw, trust the decision that you made, live with it. If you make a bad decision, be accountable for it. You know, it was my fault. I made a bad read. Uh, be accountable for that. Uh, but have a reason why you did what you did all the time. Uh, and protect your runners, uh, understanding uh, who's hurt, who's got a little nicks and nags and and can't give you 100% that day and not put them in harm's way. You know, if, if Mitch just can't go 100% and OEB or Prince or what have you, let's not push the issue and, and have collisions at the plate and things that could get those guys blown up. So, you know, you have to manage the lineup a little bit. You know, certain guys are coming up. The number of outs dictate, uh, let's not take a chance here. The score, reading the score. And those are things that are basic, but at the major league level, it's just that everything is magnified. You know, every run that's scored or not scored, it's, it's very important. You know, if you feel like I held a guy and he should have scored, then that eats at me, especially if we lose by one, you know, something like that. And if you send a guy and there's no outs and he's thrown out, and ah, you know, just, or if we got something going offensively and you take a chance to run us out of an inning and, you know, things like that. It's just, you, you got to be aware of everything that's going on. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking to Spike about these type of things. And um, even like yesterday in the game with uh, Brinson, uh, he scored. It's one out. He was on second and fly ball to left. He was halfway like he should. But as soon as the outfield was camped, he started working back towards second base where he's not going to tag even if he catches that. So stay out there where you, where you were because he dropped it. But if he drops it and picks it right back up, he can't score. Being that it went to the fence, he was able to score. And so I talked to him about that you know, as it happened. Uh, so it's things like that 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 you have to stay on top of it because as a third base coach, you want to maximize the ability to score runs. You want to push guys in first and third. You want to push guys to get primary and secondary leads. Take advantage of every inch that you can get on the field because those bang-bang plays, you could have gave me one more step was safe. And so you got you to gotta know when I can get that and when I can't. And so it's just things like that. It's a lot of information that goes into it. Um, I think he'll do well. And like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give him everything I got. And, Try to help him as much as I can. All right. Well, hopefully the uh, the absence won't be long. That you'll um, you'll be around the club, hopefully, and mm -hmm. during this whole process. And I know I speak for the guys in the studio, and I know I speak for a lot of the Ranger fan base, and everybody wishes well and, and, and hopes to uh, keep seeing you out at the ballpark. Mm -hmm. um, thanks for spending some time with us, and, and hopefully this goes real easy and smooth for you. It will. Thanks, Evan. I appreciate it. Right. Okay, and now we're back from that interview with Tony Beasley. <laughs>
Very good stuff, Evan. Thanks very much for that again, and thanks for Tony. Kevin, for you didn't listen to, to it. You know what? I, I did. Kevin went out and smoked a cigarette. I say <laughs> yeah, that. That's, that's right. That's what he did. I, actually, I had three or four cigarettes. I was smoking them all at once. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen a man uh, looking yeah. for something else to do rather than listen, <laughs> listen to an interview. That's not true. Listen, it was really great for Tony to sit down and talk to you. And you know, I know that. How was I'm, he sitting down, Evan, or was he standing up? We were sitting down, actually. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, that's, it's a very serious situation he's facing, and, and we're, all our thoughts are, are with him in that uh, as he tries to progress. But before we go back to talking about the Rangers, I, ha- I have a question. What is your yeah. uh, entree of choice at Payway? Oh my! No, gosh. I've been I've been thinking about oh, this. You said you said you, said you probably the whole time we've been talking. That's all you've I've been, been thinking about. Entrees at Payway. That's because Evan said he's eating there a lot. I want to know what's your favorite oh Payway gosh. meal. Let's, let, we'll get to that. Let's let's no, no. get past the part where we're talking about a guy who's dealing with cancer. Barry. Okay? Yeah, but, yeah. That was um, a nice segue on your part, Mister Mister Humanitarian. Okay, let's let's hear the proper segue, Evan. Tell us. Give, I, give it to I, us. I, you know, I, the one thing that I, I thought here is is Tony's gonna Tony is gonna miss some time early in the season, at least at third base, and and I don't know how much he'll be around the team, and and you know you, you deal with this kind of stuff, and you never know what the outlook is, but 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 his outlook, his personal outlook, is incredibly positive and upbeat, and and he has bonded with these guys in the middle infield. You know, if you you heard him kind of give his description and. We we ran a story last year about his conversation with with Elvis, but in print, it doesn't come across as well as when you hear the words come out of the guy's the guy's mouth. And and he told that story and and and, and how upfront he was with Elvis and how Elvis received that. And he he talked about what Elvis will, what he thinks Elvis will uh, get from the from the game in Toronto. And and, and I do think he he paints kind of a a hopeful picture that that Elvis can take another step forward, and and I think that he does talk about the idea that we all know that Rugnet Odor has great great offensive abilities, but last year, you know, when he came back from the minor leagues, he made some significant strides defensively, and I think Tony feels like there's still some work for him to do that he can be, and he may never be a Gold Glove short second baseman, but. It, that stuff that we love about Rugnet Odor, how hard he plays and, and how all out he goes after everything, sometimes that can work against him when you charge a ball and you don't let, you, you know, you, you take the hop right out of it. And so uh, Rugnet is 22. <laughs> He's still learning too. He's another young guy who, who really is kind of here, was here faster than, than we all expected. And, and I think that the, the relationship he's got with Beasley uh, has, has helped him grow, and, and you hope that Tony's going to be around this team as much as possible this year because I really do think he's a guy who makes an impact here. So you, you've been around uh, Rugi a lot and talked to him. I've been around him some, but uh, he's certainly a character in the clubhouse. He's a guy who's a lot of fun. You can tell his teammates like him. Not only is he a, a pesky kind of guy who, who bugs the other team, he's, he's a fun guy in the clubhouse. Uh, is he – uh, I don't want to be delicate about this. Is he the kind of guy who takes coaching well, who looks at his career and thinks these are the things I need to get, I need to do to get better? Well, I mean, I think the only practical example you can cite is what happened last year. You know, yeah. he he came into the season and had had a terrible first month. The Rangers sat him down and said, "These are the things you need to work on, and we're sending you to AAA." And he worked his butt off down there, and he came back a completely different player. And, you, you know, you look at the time that he came back 
to the major leagues until the end of the season, this is a guy who had basically the same OPS as Jose Altuve. These are going to be the two best second basemen in this league for a while. And it's not going to be a stretch of the imagination if you look up at the end of 2016 and say Rugnet Odor is the best second baseman in the American League. Well, uh, listen, he's got a lot more power than Altuve does. I mean, this is a guy who hit, what, 16 home runs in 101 games last year? Right. That's that's a phenomenal total. He's got more power than Altuve, and I'll tell you something else. I think he's got more raw speed than Altuve. I think Jose's a better and a more instinctive base runner than Rugnet is at this point in time. But if you go back and look at, at baseball information um, solutions, they have Rugnet Odor as the fastest ranger from first to second ahead of Delano De Shields. So he's got speed, and like I say, this kid came up earlier than expected, partly because of the injury to, to Profar. Uh, and he had a lot to learn. He learned a lot on the fly. There is a lot more potential here for this guy to be for this guy to be a star. And I really do think that, that this will be the year in which he establishes himself as as a full time star in the, in the in the major league. And I think it's just something we should point out to to fans sometimes because uh, you know you, you get this conversation when people want to say in a Jerkson profile, for instance, oh, there's not a place for him to play, you know, because Elvis is at shortstop and now Ruggie's at at second base, and so let's put him in left field. I think what people don't understand is that in baseball, you're constantly trying to get an advantage at a position. You want to get a guy right. that gives you more at that position because Jerkson Profire's value in left field isn't nearly what it is at shortstop. It's not. It's not what it is at second base. It, it, right. His his value is as a shortstop because he a can play the position and play it pretty well. And but then he also has power. He's got 15 to 20 home run power. That translating that into left field, that's not a big deal. Uh, that's that's and, an offensive I position. Think, I think the one thing that people also overlook here is is that at some point in time, you also have to um, you can't look at these guys simply as chess pieces that you move around a board however you want to. They you have to play to their strengths. And and Profar is an infielder. He's got infielder's instincts. If you move him to left field, is he athletic enough to play the position? Just like Desmond. Yes, but I still think this year, come seventh or eighth or ninth innings, when the Rangers have a lead, Ian Desmond's going to sit down and they're going to put a Drew Stubbs or a James Jones or somebody like that out there. You're trying to get your best defensive players at the best positions whenever possible. And if you're constantly moving guys from one position to another where they're not, where they're not at their best, you're going to end up in, in, in today's game with, with a pretty costly mistake at some point in time that, that, that's going to hurt. Evan, I'm a little confused. Where does all this leave former ballsy guest Elvis Andrews? Uh, we, we see he's a shortstop. Okay, he's, he's a shortstop just... in 2016. Okay, okay? that's right. that's the bottom line. He is this team shortstop in 2016. Check back in July. Let's see if the Rangers are in the pennant race, and if at that point in time there's a pitcher that's available who's controllable for multiple years, like I don't know, Sonny Gray. Um, or Homer Bailey, and let's see if the Rangers at that point in time want to say, okay, we're going to continue to commit to Elvis, and we're going to go and add that pitcher and potentially give ourselves a top a, a top three for 2017 of Hamels, Darvish, and Gray, or, or Bailey, or whoever it may be. Just... Or do you at the end of this year say, okay, we've got to address something else we're going to eat $10 million of Elvis's salary on an annual basis. 
still save money by by putting Profar at shortstop, and we'll we'll deal Elvis somewhere to uh, whether it's for you know low level te- prospects or uh, uh, something else. We're just not in a situation yet where that has to be that has to be decided. But here's the great thing about that: it, it also gives you them. You just gave me the signal to wind I up. Am, and I'm now you're about to, but I'm going to segue into that. Is that no? This is not. It's not a question. It's a statement. Is that statement? They've got. They'll, they'll have be options. A filibuster. What you want in any organization, any club, you want options. This team now has options because of the signing of Ian Desmond. It gives them the ability to make some decisions and, and some latitude to do some things in the in the middle of the year when they may not they may not have to do now that they would have had to do had they not been so proactive in the in the Ab- offseason. Absolutely. They have they have options. Uh, you, you look at what this team did in the first 10 days of training camp by signing Jeremy Guthrie, Drew Stubbs, and Ian Desmond. It gave them a whole lot more depth options. It gave them um, uh, a whole lot more flexibility around the diamond. And like I say, they will have the ability this year, if they lose Adrian Beltre for a period of time, if they were to lose um, – uh, Delino to Shields for a period of time. If they were to lose an, uh, a, a middle infielder for a period of time, they have the ability to make one move and 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 go and get the offensive player at the minor league level who is most capable of helping this team and still cover themselves defensively in an adequate way. So they've got depth and they've got options, and that makes it for a very dangerous team. Evan, Kevin is giving me the wrap-ups signal yeah, again. Right. Yeah. Okay, so Barry, here done, you... But wait, I want to hear the answer. Payway, what are you Tung ordering? Pow, shrimp. Uh, there shrimp. you go. Uh, what kind of that. rice? Brown or white? Uh, white rice, Barry. Oh, no, that, that's a mistake right there. That, okay, and are, are you having a, uh, a an egg roll or, or a spring roll? Barry, are we trying – Hello and welcome to Baldwin. <laughs> we like to go to Payway. Evan, week. what do we do better? We're trying to we... get Payway to, to uh, no, 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 because uh, the three of us together, what do we do best? Eat it's that's, our that's way true. or Payway. Yeah, okay. And uh, listen, this is it for our 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 Ballsy baseball podcast for the day. Uh, make sure you don't miss our Cowboys podcast with David Moore which we talk about uh, medical talk uh, with him about uh, Tony Romo. And how much Evan doesn't like him. And how much Evan doesn't like him. And also, we're going to have a little special surprise element today between the three of us in which we talk about the coolest athlete in DFW history. The coolest, charismatic, hey, yeah. Whatever hey, we, Kevin, bef- we think that before is. Before we sign off, I do, do want to just tease that I've got a tentative um, uh, a tentative agreement for next week for our baseball guests that John Daniels will join us from surprise to break down the Rangers at the middle of spring training. So and you know I think what? that'll also be something people will want to listen to. That is so good. I'm going to come in off vacation and do that. That'll be great. And before yeah. we say goodbye, I just want to say, Evan, say hello to Jerry Fraley for us. I will do that. <laughs> you don't sound very enthusiastic. No, he does not. So that's, a, that's our Baseball Ballsy podcast for the week. From Surprise from and surprise. from the closet here at the Dallas Morning News. <laughs> it's a very nice closet. So let's say goodbye, Evan. Goodbye, Evan. Goodbye.